give God some praise tonight? Come on. Let's come on. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You're so good, God. Well, we are talking about the new wineskin. I've read it every week, but I'm going to read it again just so we're in context. Luke chapter 5, verses 37 to 38. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. And uh, if God is going to pour out a new thing and do a new thing, we have got to be thinking of what it's going to look like. And it may look like something that no one has ever experienced, including that of present day. Um, just because one house experiences something great doesn't mean we copy that house. It means we see where God wants us to go. And it's going to look different, and it's going to be different, and that's okay. Um, especially if you believe, and if I believe that God has called me with an apostolic anointing and an apostolic mandate, God's got something different that he wants to do in this house than any other house. And the more and more we walk into that calling, I, I think we're becoming more and more different, um, more and more uh, relentless, that there's a, there's a culture building here. There's a unique identity being built here. Would you agree with that? Uh, amen. And I, feel, I, I really want this to be more con, uh, conversational tonight. I'm taking my flip-flops off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk barefoot tonight. <clears throat> yeah. So I want to start off with, with um, this statement. Structure follows life. Life does not follow structure. Structure follows life. Life does not follow structure. Does anyone have any thoughts right off the bat about that statement? It's okay if you don't, because it's kind of confusing. Let me read it again. Structure follows life. Life does not follow structure. Everyone looks confused. That's good. Good. I'm glad y'all are confused. Let me read the scripture to you, and we're going to dive into this statement. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 37 to 38. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. God gives it a body just as he wished and to each of the seeds a body of its own. The seed planted contains the life. And when, a, when the seed is placed in the proper ground, the life that is contained in the seed can be manifested. And the life that is manifested out of that seed is recognized by its new form. So what I mean by that is you take a seed that's like, say, an apple seed. You don't, when you plant the seed, there's something in the seed. There is a life in the seed. And the way you identify the life of the thing is as it grows into its full potential. It starts off as maybe a, a weed, and then it starts to grow the trunk, and then it starts to grow the branches, and then it starts to grow the leaves, and before you know it, what comes off the branches? Apples. But what, 
what happens in the process of sowing a seed and seeing the structure of the life is not necessarily we need to see the structure in order to have life. It's as life begins to um, expose itself, if you will, as life begins to manifest, the structure has to grow with it in order for life to grow into its potential. A new structure going from a seed to a plant. In other words, a body is given to a new life being produced. When God created man, he created a structure. But the structure had no what? No life. So God created this. He says God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And when he created the structure, it didn't do anything until what? God breathed life into the thing. And I think with the church where we have gotten things wrong is we've tried to build a structure, but it's become lifeless. We've done it in this church for a long time, and it's shifting. There's more life in this house than ever before. Amen? I love it. I met with a couple last night that messaged us on, that messaged us on Facebook. They were from North Carolina. And um, they had just moved here about four months ago. They've tried a bunch of churches out. Um, and they just wanted to meet with me and talk about why they don't, they're scared to get involved in the church because they've been burned so many times. Anybody have one of those stories? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you'll fit in here. We got all kind of people. <laughs> and um, it, 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 was, it was ridiculous for them that I met with them before they came to the church because they were used to a what? A structure. You come to church, and if you come give us your time, then we'll give you our time. And they said, you know, we've, uh, and they're going to be here Saturday night, so y'all can pick on them if y'all want, but um, they're, they're, they're a great couple. I think we're, they're going to come to dinner with us, get to know it. It's going to be good. But um, they said, uh, you know, we, we've been to a lot of churches, and we all, we, you know, we get it. We get the first-time guest gift, and we get the text message, and we get the call. And it's funny because as they were saying this, when I met with Crystal for the first time with the new guest thing, she was like, yeah, that's all too impersonal. We got to do away with that. And so it was confirmed. And uh, they were like, you know, we get all that. You know, we'll, we meet for coffee with the pastor. But, like, as it, it just it doesn't seem like they, they want us for us. It seems like they want us for them. But that's the structure. We've, we've built the structure. And for some people, the structure works because... A business model is a business model. You're going to get certain things out of certain things. But that doesn't mean it's life. And what the church has done is we've created the structure of how the church should look. And then we pray, God, come into this house. Right? And what we need to shift, I'm going to read the statement I read in the beginning again. Structure follows life. Life does not follow structure. We don't need to create a structure and say, God, please come visit. We don't need to create a structure and say, God, please, you know, we invite you into this place. It's, be <laughs> which is a lot of our prayer, but rather as we move into the life that God is pouring out, we build the structure to contain what he's doing Versus building a structure we like and ask him to fill it up. 
Any thoughts? This okay? <clears throat> the purpose of a new wineskin is to host life. Without the wineskin, the wine cannot properly reach its potential. The problem is not the wine being poured into the wineskin. The problem is the wineskin's capacity to either expand or not. And what happens in a lot of organizations, including this one, up until now, is life starts to happen and we, what we call in the Pentecostal church, quench the spirit. Right? We'll say, well, that doesn't work with what we've got planned. Well, this looks different, and that doesn't fit within this house. And what we need to learn sometimes is when life is being poured, it's are we willing to expand a little bit and shift a little bit, or are we so confined to the structure we built that we're actually quenching life from expanding? When life happens, it's always growing. It's always expanding. It's always becoming more and more. Anyone who is older knows that. And all of us are older. We're not the same as we are when we were babies. We're not the same as we were when we were five. You, you get taller. You get wider. You, <laughs> you get thinner. Your hair changes color. Your hair decides not to stay. Right? I remember... I was talking to uh, um, Joshua about this a minute ago briefly, but um, I was actually, you know, like really cold today. Um, I, I had to wake up at 6 and do my trash run at, at Southbridge, and it was like 47 degrees, and later on it's like 70 degrees, but I had jeans on and I had a T-shirt and a sweatshirt and a sweatshirt over that and a scully and gloves, and I was thinking, man, if people at Relentless saw me, they'd be like, what you doing with our air when you're that cold? And... Or, or like, now you can like relate to us, but um, <clears throat> uh, what was it? Eight years ago, that would have not have phased me, the cold. Before my brain surgery, I, I never got cold. Um, you can ask my mom. I was always just hot, 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 hot. After the brain surgery, I had a change in temperature. <clears throat> and I'm better now in everything I do, my speech, um, my motor skills, my functioning as just a human being, I'm better now after they cut my brain open than before. And with that becoming different and growing into a new thing, because the Kyle now is much different than the Kyle nine years ago. I, I had a bad temper. Um, I was not pleasant to be around. I was very rebellious to authority. Um, you, you can ask anyone that I worked for before 2012, I was the worst employee ever sometimes uh, in the church. You know, in the secular world, I had it. But in the church, I just could not get with it. I'm a much different person now because I have grown into what God wants me to become. And with that, the structure changes, right? With, the, with that, things change. I had to die to certain things. That's why the Lord says you got to die to yourself. Because you, you, you got to change things about structure. You gotta change things about what you allow in and what you don't allow in. You got you gotta change your friendships. You gotta change what you allow into your relationships. You gotta change what you will fall into or what you won't fall into. But for some reason with the church, we create the structure and we call it denominations, 
and one of the denominations has become non-denominational. And they all look the same because they're all in a same structure. But when something new comes, it's like we don't want to shift. Well, you, you know, you got to come to our 101, 201, 301, 401, even relentless. You got to come to foundations, right? And, and we're going to talk about uh, this Sunday night team night. We're going to change the stuff in foundations. But usually we get in this thing where you got to come to this. You got to understand how we do this. And if, you know, we believe in, in the spirits, but we don't, or in the spiritual gifts, but we don't let this happen at this church. And, you know, this is how we do it. And it's like we never allow things to expand a little bit. Um, Tiffany uh, asked me months ago when she first started coming about flags. And she's got them back there. Now, four years ago, if someone came to me and said, can I have flags in the worship experience? I, I would have been like, we ain't that type of church. Because I just, I mean, if I can just be honest, to me, it's, 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 it's weird looking. It's, to me, it's, it seems kind of old school. Like, oh, we're going to get a flag and wave it around, like, like kindergarten almost. Like, it just did not appeal to me. And then you got those, like, super faith-filled worship people who bring in tambourines in church. And which is funny because the couple last night said, can we bring a tambourine? And unfortunately, I was like, yeah, I mean, we loud enough. I don't think anyone's going to hear it. But four years ago, I would reject that idea because I want you to worship how we want you to worship. Kyle's way, right? The worship team's way. But I have learned that as life happens, we have to, if we truly want genuine expression of worship, we got to let people genuinely express it, right? Um, but the church is in a, a horrible job of that. Create the structure and pray for the life versus is the structure willing to become new to support the life that is sprouting up, right? <clears throat> John 10.10 10 says this, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Sometimes the thief tries to convince us to fall so in love with the structure we know or want to know or our ideals of knowing that we're not permitted to see more life because we hinder the expansion of the wineskin. Let me read that again. I'm going to read a lot because I, I was in a flow today and I wrote some things down that I don't un understand sometimes, which is good. Sometimes the thief tries to convince us to fall so in love with our structures that we're not permitted to see more life because we actually hinder the expansion of the wineskin. Every time we fight to preserve structure against life, we dry up. And on the other side, every time we let life run without structure, we spill. In other words, sometimes the church dries up, sometimes the church gets drunk, right? And we call it drunk in the spirit. But even the spirit knows order. Is this? <laughs> Anybody got any thoughts right now? Do y'all want to? So, structure is not the goal. But the goal of life has to be breathed into a proper structure so that will allow life to become properly abundant. You don't see an apple tree without a what? A structure. But the structure is not the life. <laughs> I 
I mean, I, you, you can see a dead plant. It, it doesn't produce. You can see dead people. You can see dead churches. Because they don't do what? Produce. <clears throat> and where we dry up is when we get into what we call maintenance mode. And I felt like God gave me this word for tonight because we got to be careful that we don't fall into maintenance mode with what God's doing right now. Well, God's sending people. So then we get lax a days ago in other areas because we see increase. Instead of paying attention to the life that is being poured out to expand the structure to contain the increase so that the, the increase is allowed to be fruitful. So, I've noticed that God is sending a lot of people right now that are very gifted, have had tremendous ministry experience, know their calling, or know what they're gifted in trying to find out how that aligns with the calling. And we can, we can keep in maintenance mode and just celebrate that, or we can say, okay, well, how do we need to expand the structure a little bit so that the new wine that's being poured into the house is allowed to stay in the wineskin that we call relentless. And sometimes that means taking away some things that we've done. Sometimes that means adding some things we've never done. Sometimes that means the, the, the flow is going to look a little different. Um, sometimes we're going to go into some new things and it's going to, we're going to fail at. Some things we're going to succeed at. Some things... Um, we do out of order some things we do in order. And we have to be so in love with God that we, as a family of God, are willing to branch out in uncharted waters and figure out how to walk on those waves. Because we know how to walk on the, the shallow water, right? Because we can feel the ground. But when you get to a, you ever been at the ocean and you start walking and like you're confident when it's like toe deep and then it gets ankle deep and it's like, ooh, that's, that's cold. And then you get a little deeper and you're like, okay, let's, what's in the water? I know that's me. When I get like about right here, knee deep, I'm thinking what is under the water that I can't see, right? And then you keep going out and you get deeper and deeper and deeper. And then when you're to a place where you can't touch the ground, and you got to depend on anything else other than your footing, you know, you're like, oh, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? I'm going to get killed by a shark, or, you know, a whale's going to come up, and I'm going to pop up in the air, or a tidal wave's coming, and a hurricane that happened to announce is going to show up. I, I think all kind of stuff when I get, it's crazy. I went with, uh, it was uh, Jacob and, and Devin and a few other people um, that back like two or three years ago, they had this idea of what they called shark boarding. And it was wakeboarding at midnight on the beach. You talk about fear. <laughs> I went out for about two seconds. And I said, I'm just going to be on the shore to rescue y'all by, by, by calling a lifeguard that wasn't on duty. But uncharted waters is scary. And if we're going to be relentless, I don't believe that's just a cool name that God gave us. I really believe that is the, it's a heartbeat of this house to be relentlessly pursuing 
whatever he wants. And sometimes that means going into some uncharted things and being willing to trust each other in these deep waters and not have to worry about, you know, losing relationship in going after an expansion of wineskin to contain the light that God's pouring in. But with maintenance mode, we try to just sustain what we've got. And God is not pleased with just sustaining what we have. And we sustain because we're scared of losing. But look at what Matthew 25, verses 24 through 27 says. The one who had been entrusted with a thousand gold coins came to his master and said, Look, sir, I know that you're a hard man to please. And you're a shrewd and ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. I was afraid of you, so I went and hid your money and buried it in the ground. But here it is. Take it. It's yours. Angered by what he heard, the master said to him, You're an untrustworthy and lazy servant. If you knew I was a shrewd and ruthless businessman who always makes a profit, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Then I would have received it all back with interest when I returned. Living seeds are meant to produce more, not just sustain what's been given. The parable is talking about if I've given you something, I want to, I want to see it produce, not just be sustained. So let me give you a, an example of, of, so right now. All right. So Saturday night, we were all leading worship, right? And uh, it, was a good, it was a good flow Saturday night. It was really good. And for the first time in a while, I, I, I think um, people were hearing the bird dog lesson last week. If you weren't here, we talked about bird dogs. Y'all remember that? And people, there was like, the altar was full of people just worshiping God in their own way because one person came up on their knees and then bird dogging, right? But there was just, a, it was a good, it was, it was something that was beautiful. And there, there's an energy about Saturday nights, right? There's a, you know, no one's thinking about what we're going to do next because Saturday night's at the end of the day. And then Sunday morning, where there's hungry people, there's not an energy on Sunday mornings like there is on Saturday night. It's just not. And I know that uh, we have a mix of Saturday and Sunday morning, but uh, if I, some of the Sunday morning people that have been on Saturday night, I think you would agree there's, just, there's a different level of energy. Not that there's a different level of faith. There's not a different level of hunger. It's just different. Okay? Well, what we like to do is try to, and I'm guilty of this. I've been thinking about this whole month. Do we need to go back to one service? Do we need to go back to Saturday? Do we need to go to Sunday? What does it look like? And then some people can only come Saturdays and some people can only come Sundays. And I was actually talking to Chelsea and Ryan about this today. And I, I began to realize, like, after y'all left and I was praying about it, like, man, am, am I trying to sustain something on Saturdays? Or am I trying to figure out how God wants to produce more through both? And instead of looking at Sundays as it's not as energetic as Saturdays, maybe expand the wineskin of what a Sunday looks like to get to the place where Saturdays is, and it's going to be different. And I don't know if that makes any sense to you, 
Um, and I hope the Sunday morning people do not think I'm speaking against Sunday morning. Because one thing I can say, everyone says I preach better on Sundays than I do Saturdays. Because, you know, I mess it up Saturday night and then I do better Sunday. Maybe not. I don't know. But it's easy to want to get in the sustaining mode of, well, let's just keep what's like amazing and stay there versus, okay, there's life being poured out here, there's life being poured out there. Instead of trying to do this, let, let life flow. How do we expand it? How do we make it better? How do we, how do we produce more? Now, having said that, I don't know what the answer is to that. We're going to be talking about that team night. I'm not trying to tell you I'm convinced of Saturday and Sunday or both or whatnot. I don't know the answer. But what I am saying is that we as a house have to be willing to say, how do we contain life but not maintain it, let it produce and grow? So, is this, any, any, is this okay? Stacy, you all right? I know you, you love Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yes, see, and, and that's perspective. For Stacy, Sunday morning is the best thing ever, right? But for some people who come on Saturdays, they say it wasn't as alive as on, as on Saturday nights. It's just perspective. For a lot of the Sunday morning crowd, it's the, it's the most awesome thing in the world. You know, we, we, have, we have people that come on Sundays that, you know, they're, they're new to Relentless because everyone else is used to Saturdays. But the Sunday morning people, you know, like they actually say amen during my sermons. You know, like, there's a response on Sundays in the sermon and not a response on Saturdays in the sermon. And then vice versa, there's a much more uh, seen response in music versus Sundays. It's very different. So th there's a lot of, what does this look like? What does that look like? What is this? What? So it, it's not pick one or the other. It's structured. We, we're, we're experiencing some... Uh, waves. Is, am I? Am I just? Is, is this okay? How 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 does how do we shift the structure a little bit to contain all the life that God's pouring out in all these different places, right? Um, one thing I've been thinking about is uh, on Saturday nights everyone goes out to eat, and that's hard because when you got twenty people going to a restaurant that closes at nine o'clock. You'd be lucky to be leaving at 11. And then on Sundays, as soon as I say amen, before I can even look up past my iPad, everyone's gone. And it's because, you know, they're wanting to beat the Sunday lunch crowd or they got plans to get. And there's nothing bad about that. It's just different. And, but our maintenance mode is pick and throw away versus So I've been thinking about, okay, and do we, do we need to start getting food trucks on Saturdays? Do we need to start having potlucks? Do we need to start having food on Saturday nights so that people can just eat right after we're done? Because apparently my one-and-a-half-hour sermon ain't food enough for everybody. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to talk about these things at team night, but I want to, I'm just trying to point out we're in a season where there's a lot of different things happening 
and there's a lot of people coming, and everyone's got these different ideas and different good things, and some people are passionate about this, and some people are passionate about that, and if you know anything about church people, usually if you don't get, you know, like someone is passionate about this ministry, and if no one else is passionate about it, you feel like they're not as spiritually like inept as you are because they don't have that passion, and you got to realize it's okay that they don't have that passion. There's a reason you have the passion and they don't. Right? We've experienced that before. You know, trying to get everyone to do outreach, like in, like, for instance, feeding the homeless. And Marty and I have had this conversation many a times. Like, and we used, there was some, some tough conversation in the beginning because it was, we were, it was new and, and we were getting to know each other. And the church was, you like, trying to get anything going. And it was homeless ministry, and then when, when we heard someone say, "Well, I don't, I just don't feel a call to feed the homeless," it was, "Well, then they must not be believers because they do you know, like that's good, yeah, right." I, I, and but 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 then we have to understand that that that's actually okay, that they don't have a passion for that, and where we've messed up in the past is we want to maintain what we think is good instead of letting life produce what's better. People are going to come to this house with different calls of ministry, with different passions. And we got to learn how to let the wineskin contain the life being poured out. But that, that also does not mean becoming yes people to everybody. We've got to know our vision. We've got to know what this house is called to do. And if it doesn't align, I'm sure there's another church that would greatly uh, empower them. So I don't want anyone to think I'm talking about becoming yes people. I'm talking about containing life being poured out. There's an apostolic mandate for this house. I know I'm going past time a little bit, but I really want to get this out. I was going to read an uh, a excerpt from a book, but I forgot the book. So I'm going to read some scriptures to you because I remember basically what it was talking about. Matthew 10, 40. He, this is Jesus speaking. He who receives me. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Uh, Luke ten sixteen. The one who listens to you listens to me. The one who rejects you rejects me. The one who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Hmm. John five thirty. I can do nothing on my own initiative. This is Jesus speaking. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is just because I do not seek my will, but the will of him who sent me. John 6, 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that all he, that he has given me I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. John 7, 16, Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine but his who sent me. Do you hear a pattern? He who sent me. Over and over, Jesus is talking about his mandate for the earth. It's not my will, it's the will of he who sent me. Who is he? Say it loud. The Father. The Father sent me. So when you hear me, you hear him. What you see I if what you see I do, it's him who sent me. Him who sent me. Him who sent me. Him who sent me. And then in John chapter 14, verse 9, I want to read this to you. It says, Jesus, or I'm gonna start in verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. How many of you 
are kind of there like we want to see the Father, right? Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You didn't see a good God and then a judgmental, wrathful God. Jesus is the picture of the Father. And then Jesus came with a mandate to raise up a people, apostles, and disciples, and says, go into the world. And with that mandate, he says in John 8, 23, Jesus spoke up and said, you are all from the earth. I am from above. I'm not from this world like you are. His source was higher. His source was from heaven. He was from heaven. His source was from a higher realm, and he operated in alignment with that source. A few verses later in verse 26, I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. <laughs> Thank God. For I say only what I've heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Our mandate is when people see us and see what we do and see what we walk into, just like when we saw Jesus, we saw the Father. When people would see us, they would see Jesus, therefore seeing the Father. Because Jesus came as a disciplined man of, I see when you see me, you see him because I say what he wants me to say. I do what he wants me to do. And then he says, now you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he says, you as a disciple, when people are searching for God, they shouldn't be looking up in the cloud. They should see him by looking at you. And unfortunately, when people and the world look at the church, they don't see Jesus. They see hypocrisy. They see judgment. They see hate. They see a cult. They see a holy roller club. They see people who think they're better than everyone. Jesus says this is the apostolic mandate for the ecclesia. When they see you, they should see me. And because they see me, they see my father. And when we say and do what the one who sends us tells us to do, that's how earth aligns with heaven. Thy kingdom come, they will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And the way Jesus did it, and the way Paul did it, is what I want to point out tonight for this whole structure containing life. Matthew 3, 14 through 15. He appointed the twelve, whom he named apostles. Now listen to this. I didn't know this was in the scripture until today. I may have read it a few times, but it didn't stick out to me. He wanted them to be continually at his side as his friends 
and so that he could send them out to preach and have authority to heal the sick and cast out demons. So let me backtrack. Our mandate is that when people see us, they see Jesus. And the way he accomplished that mandate is he appointed apostles who were his friends and equipped to go do the work of God. In other words, Jesus appointed an apostolic team. And what an apostolic team is is simply this. It's a group of people who have relationship with each other under the headship of relationship with Jesus. And while we have relationship, we walk into the equipping to fulfill our purpose in casting out demons, preaching, healing the sick, deliverance, prophetic words, all these things that we're called to do, leading worship, teaching, evangelism. But where the church has failed at the structure that contains life is we get relationship right, but we don't get equipping. Or we try to do so much equipping that we don't put enough emphasis on the relationship. And where we need to go in this new wineskin is we need to be one of the first houses that gets both right. People who love each other because we all love God. And people who want to be equipped and we're not as scared to actually equip. Even if that means losing someone. I cannot wait for the day when I can bring someone up here and put my hand on their shoulders and say, we are sending them. They have, a, they have an assignment to do yada, 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 and they are ready for the assignment because of the relationship and equipping in this house, and we're sending. That's our job as an apostolic house. Doesn't that like, excite you? It wasn't just apostles, it was, it was more than that. I'm a, let me read this last passage, then we're going to get into some prayer, Luke 8, 1 through 3. Well, soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, which were the 12 uh, apostles. Let's try that again. He took his 12 disciples with him, which were who? The 12? Along with some women. So anyone that ever talks about women can't be in ministry, read Luke 8. Along with some women who have been cured of evil spirits, as most women have, and diseases. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. I'm not. Um, I mean, I'm just reading scripture. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. I mean, there ain't, there ain't no men being discussed right here. Jo <laughs> so I'm just kidding. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager. Dang, Jesus got Herod's business manager managing his ministry. Holy crap. Like, talk about redemption. I got the king's assistant managing my stuff. Susanna. 
and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Jesus had the apostles. Jesus had other women. And Jesus had other men who were funding his ministry and doing the work of his ministry partnered with the 12 apostles. And what we've done with the church, and we may not call it apostle, but let's just use the word pastor for these purposes. We put this person in position as pastor, right? And we said, everyone do what the pastor wants you to do so that he can look like a great leader and so that his ministry builds and he can write books and, and he can, you know, get all this fame for everything he's doing and you never hear about anything about the people. Not that there's anything wrong with writing books and stuff. I plan to write one this year called Decrease for Increase. I'm serious. Buy it. I was kidding. <laughs> but we've made everything about like this one thing. And then Jesus says, those 12 apostles can't do this alone. They have to have everyone else. Not just doing the work of ministry, but side-by-side relationship. Not over and under. So to get out of maintenance mode and to make sure that we are expanding, you know what we got to do? We've got to get to know each other to know what we have to expand in. I, I had a feeling today, Stacey, that I need to talk to you about teaching for some reason. Is that something that rings a bell in you? Wow. And, you know, I mean, because, like, what I was thinking about, like, all the things, all the people at Relentless, and after talking to this couple last night, the lady was talking about how she leads a women's ministry. And, uh, like, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, like, you know, you can do that at our church. Like, you can have a ministry that's not Relentless, and, like, we don't, we don't try to overtake it and put our name on it to get fame for what you're doing. And she was like, I said, yeah, there's actually a lady, um, um, Stacy Pratt, she has like this whole, she wrote a book and she has this whole online uh, discipleship and women's group that she, she you pretty much passed her. And, uh, and then I, I woke up today and I was like tr- trying to study the word, but you kept coming to my mind. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. And, uh, and, and God was like, you got an anointed teacher in your midst and you haven't even called on her to teach yet. And I was like, oh, shoot. I do. And here I am talking about one day God's going to send us teachers, and he's like, well, well, if you'd start looking around, dude, they're already here. Right? Because the relationship's been, well, I see her at Sundays, and you know, she takes care of facilities on Fridays, and her son-in-law builds me cool pulpits, and, you know, all this stuff. And then, and then God's just like, open your eyes, like, look what's around you. Right? And that's just one example of, of if we would get invested and not just equip, let's, let's equip, let's equip the saints to see people come alive in Christ. Well, part of that coming alive in Christ is relational. Like, not, not to get too early in, in this, but either by the end of the year, beginning of next year, I'm going to commission Marty and Michael to be uh, the first pastoral couple of this house. Yeah. We, we've been talking about that for about four months and praying into it and I've spoke to the elders about it and all that kind of thing. And um, it's going to be great because 
I suck at being a pastor. And they actually care about, like, when people get sick. Like, <laughs> that, sounds hor- that sounds horrible. But, but the only way I've gotten to know that about Marty and Michael is relationship. It's not like one day I woke up and God's like, hey, they're pastors. No, it's been a recognition of what's in them because of relationship. Some of you, I know exactly what you're great at, but there's a lot of you in here I don't really know enough. And that doesn't mean that I have to have the relationship. It means, like, if I'm seeing, like, Tiffany and Christina are talking, one day I, I, if I, maybe I need to ask Christina, hey, what, what's Tiffany all about? Or maybe ask Tiffany, what's Christina all about? And you start to find out because it's relational, right? Not let's put them through the three-ring structure of, well, now that you've taken the discovery course, we know your spiritual gifts, so let's just do it. <laughs> Y'all ready to ex- expand? The shift? Anybody got anything to want to say? That's all I got. Here, you. I just want to say thank you for that. It was confirmation for me because I did a video yesterday right before the election and I really battled posting it and I just felt I had every intention on doing a study on Abigail and God stopped me dead in my tracks and he says nope you're going to talk about abortion and you're going to talk about pro-life and I really battled posting that video and thought gosh am I doing the right thing and should I really be teaching these women and so thank you I needed to hear that yes you want to say something yes just real quick um, just uh, in response to uh, Mary Magdalene having seven demons, she had cast out of her and women. Well, one guy had a, a whole legion of demons in him. So. <laughs> and that's, that's like 3,500-ish. So there you go. Um, <laughs> love y'all. No. Um, <laughs> Just, yeah, just real quick, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, just with uh, with Sunday, you know, and uh, the whole everyone in relationship, John 17, Jesus prayed and said, you know, you know, you're one with each other just like I'm one with my father, basically. And, you know, if if you love each other, then the world knows that you love me. You know, so that's that's some serious stuff that Jesus said. And what he said is truth and reality is our reality. If we really want to show the world what we're about, we have to start in-house and truly go on the journey of finding out what it looks like to love one another and express that to its fullest and, and to outdo one another in honor and not slander or backbite any other ministries or believers or anything for whatever reason, but only speak what's wholesome and edifying, you know. And um, 
as far as the Sunday things go, you need to have, uh, you know, established hyper-spiritual people. In other words, you need to have prophets trained up and raised up and alternating and in each service, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? You got to have those people in place for, for that move of the spirit or whatever it is, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, like I'm saying, like you were, you were saying, you know, that's not hitting or hitting or whatever on Sunday or Saturday or whatever. So build them up. Yeah. And that's, um, and that's kind of what I mean by, uh, um, don't sustain what we have because what church isn't getting the model of is let's sustain the one we have. And oh no, what happens when we lose the one, right? That's essentially what happens with churches where the pastor is m- removed. Well, we his teaching is what we identify with. Well, you're identifying with the wrong thing, right? And um, you were talking. You, you said something before that. Um, I wanted to comment on. I had something for it. What were you talking about right before that? Yes. Um, so. Talking about structure in life, so relational, right? We have to learn how to do that. Sometimes individuals can get wrapped up in their own current structure where you actually hinder life producing. So, like, let me, let me tell you what this looks like. It's a mandate if you love one another, they'll know you love me. Right, if they see you, they see me. Is it, the Lord wants us to be relational, but this is what people do. Well, I'm an introvert, so I can't be relational. You're hindering growth in you. You are trying to limit life to your current structure. And God says, I don't want you to stay in that vein. Well, I'm just not called to be a people person. Actually, yes, you are. Like, you don't get that choice if you're truly seeking God. I'm just not a people person, so I don't like to have relationships. Well, then you don't understand the point of being a part of a body. Because everything the Bible describes the church as is relational. So it's not, well, I'm not called to be relational. No, you're just hindering your own life. I know that's tough, but, like, you're welcome for that punch. Okay. I was probably, like, the biggest introvert ever in the world. I still feel like I am. I still have a a social meter, and it will run out at any given moment. I'll just walk away and just disappear. You won't see me for a while. You know, but, you know, for, for so long, I grew up in isolation, basically, and, and you know, I was introverted for so long, and um, it really took the, the voice of God to just speak to me and, and for me to just believe it, you know, to be broken out of that, you know, crazy things like, you know, I've called you to, to be a burning bush, to, to speak to those passing by in the wilderness and, and bring them out of that dry place, and you know, I called you to be, you know, a voice in the wilderness. And, you know, I'm calling you my burning bush. You're on fire and all this stuff. And, you know, it's like that just crazy off the wall kind of words like that from the Lord, you know, just really just hits you in just such ways like, oh, yeah, he's called me to go out beyond 
myself and to speak to other people and to be a witness to other people. He's really given me power to be a witness to other people. Like, his power is real, you know, and it's hitting me. And, like, how do I respond with this? Like, man, I can't help but be like a burning beacon, a torch of Christ, a light, you know, in the dark place that does reach out, that doesn't care about himself, but, you know, really cares for others enough to step out beyond my own perceived limits. Just to build on top of the introvertness, um, and I'm speaking to myself when I say this, but I feel like I need to say it. Um, As much as we need to go out of our comfort zone and get to know other people, I think it's important to remember that when people try to get to know us, we need to be willing to open up, and we need to be willing to open up to people in in a way that, you know, we're scared to because we've been hurt in the past. Um, And, you know, oh, I'll just keep them at arm's length and, you know, hey, how are you? And not really give any in-depth knowledge to yourself. And I think that, you know, as a house, as we're trying to grow, that in order for us to get to that place, we have to remember, especially those of us who struggle with that, that, um, you know, when people want to ask you questions to get to know you, don't be afraid to answer them. You know, don't just give the the top layer. Yeah, it's like, don't be afraid to say, I'm not having a good day. Don't be afraid to say, it's just, you know, I've, I've been hurt, so this is hard for me. Like, be open, be honest, and but don't be afraid to take that step. I, um, I was going to pick on the, the worship leaders a little bit. Um, and this is not necessarily the worship leaders in this house. Maybe it is, I don't know. But um, this is something that I've seen over the years. Um, So, like, there's a lot of churches I've been a part of where a lot of the congregation doesn't know the worship team. Like, when I say no, I mean, like, relationally. Like, you know their voice and you know their talent, but you don't know them. And then the worship team wonders why they struggle with connecting with the crowd. Well, why won't they worship? Why won't they get where I am? Because they don't trust you. They don't know you. They don't know where you live. They don't know that you have a dog. They don't know that you like Doritos. They don't know what your music preference is. They don't know that you love to listen to rock, but in worship, for some reason, you love an intimate acoustic thing. Like, they don't know you. So they don't know that when you enter into the special place, it's something different for you, right? Like, but like, like they, they don't know that like getting silent for you is something different, and they know how to respond to the silence. They just think that that's part of your worship performance. And same thing for pastors. It's the same thing for any person in ministry. We wonder why we don't connect in the ministry platform. It's because the connection from the platform should be the same connection off the platform. So if we want to see that life, Expand your structure. I think that's pretty much the message for tonight. You want to see life, expand your structure. Let's get relational. Let's fall in love with each other as we fall in love with Jesus. You know, like when we find out someone is going through tough times, like we care so much that we intercede without having to form an intercession team. Like let's go there. Let that be the natural flow of what we do together as a family. When we start to get that right, we're going to see the the life being produced and multiplied.
and th that's how we're going to take cities. It's because they don't understand, like, we thought love was let's get high together and forget our issues. We don't know that love is let's let everyone know what our issues are and trust them. And be a trustworthy, you want to speak into that? No? Just be a trustworthy people. When you're in relationship with people, the vulnerability is there. And that goes for not just introverts, that goes for extroverts too. Because extroverts thrive on being around people. But so much so that, the, and I'm speaking myself, the relationships isn't there. It's more important about being around people than having a relationship. So the relationship building is just as much for an introvert as it is for an extrovert, you know. And it and it comes and it boils down to trusting the people that you're around to be vulnerable, and then that's where the relationship starts building. It reminds me of an example that I talk about often in the Bible, and we only have like 20 minutes left, and I, I know what we're going to pray into, but think about Doubting Thomas, right? Which I think that's a horrible name for him because, like, Jesus didn't even rebuke his doubt. But think about Thomas. Like, he, he had such a relationship with Jesus that he wasn't scared to question him. And, when, and yet in church, it's like if you have a disagreement, we're so scared to voice the disagreement especially in church. That was the conversation I had with this couple last night. They questioned one thing. And maybe I'm speaking too much about them, so when they come, their names are Renee and Brian. Don't, maybe not tell them. I don't know. Renee and Brian, if you're listening to this, I love you. I'm speaking good about you. But hold on, I should, I'll, I'll cut this out. Um, you know, like they mentioned that um, they asked one question. To the church leadership and the question is what is NAR do y'all know what that is new apostolic reformation and there's a lot of um, thoughts about it because it's not really explained well and they just want to know what it was and the response was you got a rebellious spirit because they didn't want to explain themselves but isn't that pretty much the Church of America? You ask a question, and it's, well, you need to have faith. Like, no, I, I need an answer. It's okay. Like, if there's a disagreement with something that I preached, it could just be because there's a, mis, a mislap in the communication, or maybe I got something wrong, and I want you to sharpen me because iron sharpens iron. And maybe I didn't. I probably didn't. I, I used to mean scripture, but that's a joke. I've gotten it wrong. I've had to come to the congregation before and say, you know what, I got something wrong last week. It only ha it's been happened like maybe once or twice, but it, it can happen. I'm not so proud to say that I get everything right. Why can't we be a people that is, it's okay to say, hey, um, you know, I don't know about this thing you said. Or I, I, how do you feel about what Pastor Kyle talked about Wednesday night? You know, or how, how do you feel about what happened at the altar when that redhead started talking to people? You know, like, 
How do you feel like that the worship team they got so they they were worshiping and got lost in the worship and everyone else is standing at a you know at a standstill and they weren't doing anything the worship team were doing? How do you feel about that? Like we're so scared to talk about that stuff. Let's not. Right? Let's let's strengthen each other. Let's build each other up. Let's seek truth together. Amen. Well, I feel like for the next twenty minutes. The thing we need to pray into is, um, I, I don't feel like it's a time of, of words over people. If, you, if anyone has a word in here, talk to the people afterwards privately. I don't want to hinder that. I don't want to quench that. But Kathy said something earlier that really struck me about how um, the, 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 the water in, in the, the, the basin and that we are the people that carry the water and we, we need to pray for what's going on with the election right now. I think for the next 20 minutes, let's just pray into the election that God's will be done. Are we in agreement with that? So Kathy, uh, if you would, could you lead us off in that? And um, uh, can someone go upstairs and don't turn the house lights off, just turn them down a little bit uh, or turn them down all the way. Thank you, Jessica. And um, let's just pray for our country right now. Kathy, you want to lead us off? Um, I'm grateful that you're doing that because um, after I said that, the Lord prompted me to, to find the scripture that Elijah prayed after the trough was filled. And so I think that's an appropriate place to start. And it says in 1 Kings 18, verse, starting in verse 36. After the trench was filled with water, he says, At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today, Today, let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I've done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their heart back again. And so, Lord, you are the God of Abraham and Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known today over the United States of America, over the state of Georgia, that you are God. And Lord, that we, as your servants, we have done everything everything that you have called us to do. We have prayed, we have fasted, we have repented, we have been on our knees, we have been on our faces, we have turned from our wicked ways, we have applied your word. We've done everything that you've asked us to do. So Lord, answer us. Answer your people who are crying out. Let this nation know, Lord, that you are God 
so that their hearts, Lord, will turn back to you. Because, Lord, we've got half of a nation that is turning their back on you. They're buying into humanism. And not you. So, Lord, I cry out just as Elijah cried out. Hear us, O Lord, and answer your people. And show this nation that you are the God. The one true God. The only living God. And shut the mouth of Baal in the United States. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray right now for awakening. Over President Trump and everyone tied to him. And I also pray for awakening over Joe Biden. That even right now, Lord that he would see you for the first time. And then everything he stands for is submitted at your feet and is done away with. I pray that every person who supports death or hurt, murder, pain, that they would just start to turn and shift toward your love, God. Because we know you love everyone, Lord. And that you just want relationship with everyone. So I pray for all parties involved. That they would see you. That they would know you. That they would be surrendered to you. That your grace would shine on them. And they would, you would be revealed to them for the first time, Lord. I pray for peace over our president right now. And wisdom and what to say and what not to say and what to give life to and what not to give life to, Lord. I pray for the people counting votes and the state reps and everything going on that I don't even know all the the, the stuff, God. I just pray that truth, truth, truth be revealed. Lies be exposed. Let us be known as a nation under not just one God, but under you, God. A nation under Yahweh. That when people would see the United States of America, they would start to see Jesus. That's our prayer, God. That this country would shift to a country who just loves you as a whole that every other God would fall and people would know who you are, Lord. Lord, we call forth right now every deception, every ballot, that has been discarded. Every ballot that is um, been destroyed. 
We call forth, Lord, a light to shine on that deception, to expose it so visibly and so tangibly that it cannot be excused. Lord, you shut the mouths of the lions in the den when Daniel was in it. We're asking you to shut the mouths of the lions coming out of the mouths of the media. And we just call right now for truth and exposure of lies. Shine your light, Lord, because where there's light, there's no darkness. And your light exposes darkness. So shine your light in Arizona. And shine your light in Pennsylvania. And shine your light in North Carolina. And shine your light in the state of Georgia. Am I missing one? Michigan, and shine your light in Michigan. Shine your light, Lord, into every one of those states where there is something that just does not seem right going on. So this one, this country, because Lord, we stand on the fact that this country is one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Pray for courage that I have courage for America. Yesterday morning, when I was in between my sleep state and my awake state, and a lot of times the Lord speaks to me during that time, and uh, I... Um, I just want to make sure that this is the Lord, and I believe it is, but it doesn't sound like you want it to sound what I'm going to say, and that's why I don't want to say it. The Lord gave me a scripture yesterday morning in my sleep state. And he said, Joel chapter 217, let the priest who minister before the Lord weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Do not give your heritage to reproach that the pagan nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? That's where we're at. And we are ministers of the Lord. Not me, not Kyle. We. And God is calling us as a righteous people as a holy people as the people of God to stand between him and the people that's what they did in the porch they stood between the holy place and the people 
and they spoke to the people. They spoke to the people in the porch. Sorry. And yesterday I prayed. When he spoke that scripture to me, I said, Lord, who would you have me to pray? Who would you have me to pray? Show me your will that I may be used of you. Oh. I'm sorry. I ask that you will have your way in the election today and rebuke the devourer that has come against our land. I speak to the locust of this land, Antifa, Black Lives Matters, the news media, Hollywood and the entertainment industry, abortion, pro-choice people. I rebuke the hold that the enemy has on these people. Lord, I bless the souls of these people. I call them into your light, Lord Jesus, as you have died for everyone. And Lord, for those who have hardened their hearts as Pharaoh, I pray, Lord, that you will deal with them just as you did with those of the Bibles whose hearts were set against you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you, God, would deal with the hearts of man, a rebellious people, Lord, a people that are going away from you and don't even realize in their ignorance, God. They don't even realize it. They think that they are doing something good, but they are calling evil good, God. And you are calling evil evil. And you are calling a people, God. You are calling your people to stand between the two. God, this is a holy war. This isn't even about an election. God. It is a holy war. It is a war against good and evil, God. It is a war that is coming against you, Lord, and your kingdom and your righteousness, God. And we declare that America will come back to her roots tonight, God. That America will come back to paths of righteousness, Father God. We pray, oh God, that you, Lord, would speak to your people right now in this moment. You said if any two should touch and agree, God, that we would have anything that we ask for. And so, Lord, we beg you, God. We are asking for mercy, Lord. We ask you to forgive us, God, for being silent Forgive us for not being awake, for being a fattened people that have been lullabied to sleep, Lord God. Father, we pray that you would forgive us, Jesus, that you would start here, God, that you would start here and forgive me, Lord God, that you would forgive us, Lord, for not walking in your ways, for not being bold, for being lax, for compromising, Lord God, when you have called your people to be holy as you are holy. You, you have called us, God, to be holy. And Father, we thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. We thank you that you have drawn a line in the sand, God. We thank you, Lord God, that our slates are clean as we come to you tonight. And we ask you, Father, that we could start afresh and anew, God. Let America, let this be the time for America that we would start afresh and anew, that we would come back to you, God. 
you, when you founded us, Lord, when you put us into place, Lord, when our forefathers founded this place, it was for religious freedom. And now we have a people that are trying to come against that religious freedom, Lord. And I bind that spirit in Jesus' name. And I declare the blood of Jesus over these people, Lord God, over their souls, Lord God. And I say so boldly, as you said in John, I forgive them. You said whatever we forgive will be forgiven, Lord. And I say I forgive them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers them. And I ask you, Lord God, to bathe them in your blood, God. Bathe them in your blood. Bathe me in your blood. Bathe us, oh God. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would continue to be merciful to us, Lord, though we don't deserve it. As a nation, Lord, we don't deserve it. But we know you are big and you are loving and you are kind and you are forgiving and you forgive all kinds of wickedness, sin, and rebellion, Lord. Lord, we, we ask you for your mercy tonight. I pray that we haven't gone so far that you've turned us over to ourselves, Lord. And Lord, even if we have, we know that you will walk with the righteous, Lord. And you will cause us to shine like they talked about tonight. That we will be as you are in the earth, God. And there will be a work that you will do. And there will be a harvest regardless. Lord, regardless, it feels like regardless who wins. It doesn't matter who, whoever wins. We're, we've still lost because there's such a line that has been that... You, you declare righteousness, righteousness, and sin, sin. And there's such a gray area that we're walking in. And that is the, the devastation that we don't even know what is good and what is wrong anymore. So, Father, I pray, God, that you will, that you will just rush in. That, Lord, that you will breathe your, that you will come, just like we prophesied in Ezekiel uh, 37, that, you're, that you would blow, Lord God. Blow in the homes of your people. Awaken your people, Lord. Refreshing your people in the spirit. And do the same thing in America, Lord. Breathe on your people and lord it is not a bad word because if we'll keep going in joel chapter 2 it says that you will that you will turn away and then you will pour out your spirit on all flesh that the young man will see dream or see uh, have dreams and the old men will have visions or vice versa i can't remember but you said that this you would pour out your spirit and you would give us the new wine 
So it's not bad. It's a step in the process that we call out to you for mercy, no matter who wins. Because no matter who wins, it's still a country divided unless we all turn back to you, God. Let us all turn back to you, God. In Jesus' name, Lord, let it be your will for America. God, it's so much bigger than we can see with our little bitty window. God, I also pray that you will keep America with Israel, your chosen Lord. That we will stay binded with her, Lord. I pray, Father, that you will not let anything come against that union. Not man, not devil, not principality, not power. Father, I pray that you would send your angels to guard over that relationship no matter who comes into office, God. And Father, if Joe Biden comes into office, if President Trump stays in the office, we pray that you would have godly people surround them to continue to speak wisdom and truth to them, Lord, and that their hearts would be receptive to wisdom and truth and righteousness, Lord. Father, we ask you to surround us. And I just, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you have kept us. And we trust tonight that you will continue to keep us, God. We love you. We love you and we bless you and we want to walk this thing out with you, God. We want to be used for your kingdom, for your purpose, and for your glory. Have your way today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we close, I think we need to declare exactly what was declared in the scripture of Joel. Spare your people. Spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance a reproach, a byword among the nations. So let's declare that together. I mean, we're asking the Lord, right? We've come before the porch and the altar. Spare your people. Come on, loud. This is for the nation. Spare your people, O Lord. And do not make your, your inheritance a reproach. A byword among the nations. 
Now let's do it again. Let's, come on, loud. This has got to be with conviction. I mean, spare your people, O oh Lord. Do not make your inheritance a reproach or a byword among the nations. Lord, the nation of the United States is a servant nation to the nations. Don't make that word a byword. Spare us, O oh Lord. Jesus. Lord, we come into agreement with all of that. And we just say, we trust you. Let's just declare that. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. And it's your name and prayer, everybody said. Amen. Amen. Amen.